Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined in studio by Molly Williams. Hello, Molly. Hello, Sarah. How are you? I am well. <clears throat> Didn't get to see you this morning. You left too early for me. I know. I know my new morning schedule. Um, you We're recording on a Wednesday and you have Wednesday off. And so I have to, with driving my 14-year-old son, John, to high school every morning, I have to um, be done a little sooner than usual. So I had to, to get in a you know, a full six miles, I had to leave kind of extra early. Oh, is that why just for the carport for just getting him to school? Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought maybe you had something else going on. So this is going to be your new Wednesday morning time 550. Well, but see, but but I also recorded a. a different podcast this morning. Oh, so if you don't and have so if I didn't have that, I really needed to be like, ready, I showered the whole bit, whereas otherwise, you know, maybe I could come back and yeah. um, then take a shower. So yeah, because we normally we meet at, at six. So we do 550. I was just like, Ugh, on a day when I don't have to get up 10 minutes early. Oh, and it's dark these mornings. It is. So it is. I, yeah, I slept until 630. My alarm went off. And then I just couldn't get out of bed. I slept till 730. And then then went to the gym. That sounds delightful. It was actually I think I must have needed the sleep. So but I set my alarm five minutes even earlier, because I haven't told you yet I have been do I have been meditating every morning. What? I know I have been doing the seven days of calm, which is on the calm uh, app, which yeah. helps with sleep and meditation. Uh, I've been doing the seven days of calm, and I am loving it. Good for you. Just, I meditate. I know you do. I know you do. Yeah. So um, not as regularly as I'd like to. I, that was the reason I, I set my alarm for six thirty. Was I get up and meditate? And uh-huh. Uh-huh. I guess I did some meditation with my eyes shut. <laughs> it was so effective. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, good for you. So you're yeah. on day I, the, six today. Or, was day five. Yeah. Day five. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I'm already thinking ahead to like, okay, how will I fit it yeah. in? Like when I'm traveling for work, and uh-huh. oh, I'm thinking about getting um a um like do you call it a meditation cushion, like so that I can sit kind okay. of more yeah. um comfortably on the floor. I don't know what they're called. Can you sit on the floor? I have to sit on a chair. My knees don't bend like oh. that. Oh, oh yeah, I sat on the floor this morning oh. in our. You can cross your legs. Oh, I don't. I didn't cross my leg. No. How I do you j- sit on the floor? Then I just kind of pulled my knees up toward my chest a little bit. Like, um, is your back against something? Back against the wall, yeah. Oh, you could mm-hmm. sit in a chair. Uh, I don't have a chair in that room. Oh. That room is, it's a unusual, it used to be part of a sleeping porch, and it has a very large soaking tub, which we rarely use. It has a linen, like a hope chest. Do people still use that term? I don't know. No, okay. they don't, but I know what you mean. It, yeah, it was yeah. like Jack's, my husband's grandmother's or great-grandmother's. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there's then there's towel racks. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, cushion then would be great. Can you can you yeah. bend your knees enough to sit on a cushion? Oh, I could. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. If it gave me a little space, yeah. you know, if it was thick enough. Oh, that's great. And um, oh, and I then I was like, oh, I could like get a couple like I don't know, little like something that a little ting like they would make a little sound and something like yeah. that. And then I'm like, oh, great. And Augie would come in and chew them, or you know, if I like. I don't know, got a candle, my kids would pilfer it. So I think I think maybe I'll start with a um, thick cushion. Yeah, well, uh, and your app has a timer on it as well. So you can, mm-hmm. you know, set bells to go off. Right, know, from... right. And it has the seven days of calm has nice um, kind of the sound of a babbling brook mm-hmm. behind it. So it's it's super duper pleasant. The woman has such a pleasant voice. Oh, oh my nice. goodness. So have you achieved enlightenment? <laughs> I would, oh, who needs a cushion? I levitate. <laughs> On day five. <laughs> She's ahead of the game. <laughs> Competitive meditation is just not a thing, is it? <laughs> but I'll make it someday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, good for you. What made you decide to start meditating? Um, that I got the, I got, 
a 60 day free trial of calm yeah. what can i say so it's nice do you find you sleep better or anything like that yet i fell asleep very easily last yeah. night it, yes. there's something about it i know mm-hmm. it's it, it's not like profound it just it i feel like i can just take my troubles or just thoughts and just put them on the shelf for a little bit just mm-hmm. just detach mm-hmm. which i like mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. come back to it yeah i also found that i am less reliant on always having listening to something on my phone mm-hmm. that um i used to always be like oh let's see what you know the npr's you know latest news update or you know what podcast can i listen mm-hmm. to while i do this and i'm like no i can i can just be a quiet while I do this task. Yeah, I think we uh, we all got to get better. I mean, I say this for myself about detaching from the other distractions and just like, okay, I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. I don't need anything else. I can just focus on this. And mm-hmm. then I can focus on that. It's so easy to it's just like, you know, when you're trying to meditate, and your mind's wandering. That's what we're doing with our phones. We're like distraction, distraction, distraction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm so guilty of it. So mm-hmm. good for you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So and then I had a first this morning, Molly, that so went running and mm-hmm. it was pre dawn. So it mm-hmm. was dark. And, you know, but I had my knuckle lights. I had my Night Runner 270s on my feet. So I was quite well lit up. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, set of walkers complimented me on them. And so I was wearing capris and a lightweight long sleeve shirt. And within, I don't know, a very quick amount of time, I was like, oh, I should have worn a tank top. Kept running. It was kept... so humid this morning. Yeah. And kept kept running. And then I was like, you know what? I am taking my long sleeve shirt off, tying it around my waist, and I am going to join the bra squad. Good for you. Yes, I figured it's dark. Nobody can see me. And even if they can. And even if they do. It's yeah. a body. Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, so, oh, it felt so good to have the cool air all over my upper body. This is going to be your thing. <laughs> Get you down to those little shorty shorts with the slits on the side. Oh, it's going to look so good. Oh, no, no, no. Just the booty ones. Just the, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so, and then it started to lightly rain. Uh-huh. Or it didn't, it lightly rain. It was um, fairly good sized raindrops, but not many of them. Water on your skin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it felt good. I bet. It felt good. And then about a couple blocks away, I, um, I, I um, went into a little tiny sinkhole and kind of turned my ankle and so stopped. I was fine. But I was like, oh, as long as I'm stopped, I think I'll just put my shirt back on. So, but anyway, it was uh, very liberating. It felt very good. Good for you. I'm proud of you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. So who knows? Maybe I'll encourage you to do that the next time. And But also it's kind of like, it's October. Why didn't I discover this sooner? <laughs> I think, yeah, well, I think being, you know, uh, middle age, it just less body conscious, maybe. And mm-hmm. like, what the heck? Because as we've discussed, we are invisible. We are invisible. Nobody's looking mm-hmm. anyway. And if mm-hmm. they do, they're going to look away very quickly. <laughs> and, you know, who who cares? Exactly. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Our, our husbands seem to still like us. <laughs> right. <laughs> Seemingly so. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Well, we have a special repeat guest today. It is Christopher McDougall, the well-known author of Born to Run. He has a new book out, and we'll be talking with Chris when we get back from this brief break. Stay with us. Well, today we have a return guest. We have Christopher McDougall, who we first had on the show six and a half years ago on episode number 43, and now we're coming up on episode 400. Chris wow. is perhaps, yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you. That was the appropriate response. Um, Chris is perhaps best known as the author of Born to Run, the book that spawned the barefoot running craze. This father runner has two daughters and lives on a Pennsylvania farm, which I mentioned because his new book, Running with Sherman, The Donkey with the Heart of a Hero, is about his family adopting a rescue donkey and, well, running with it. Welcome back, Chris. 
I'm so impressed by your more than 400 episodes. That is so much brain work and dedication and commitment. I am honestly super impressed. Well done. Oh, thank you. That's very sweet of you. Oh, well, we're, we're glad to, and we're glad to bring you back on. So I, I remember having such a fun time talking with you the first time. So I'm looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, me so, too. Good, good. So remind us again about your running background and where you're at with the sport these days. I will tell you literally where I am at this very moment. I am sitting at a little patio behind King's English Bookstore in Salt Lake City. And I'm in shorts and sandals because... <gasps> For somehow, miraculously, in Salt Lake City, it's like 75 degrees today. So I got oh off a goodness. plane, and I got, dude, I am running. You know, so even <laughs> though I was supposed to be in other places and other clothes, I, I'm, so I just darted out the door and went for a run and kind of retrofit my entire day based around how beautiful it is here running. But your particular <laughs> question about where I am with the running, you know, it's, it's interesting. My good friend and coach, Eric Horton, the guy who – miraculously overturned me and transformed me for born to run. He's here. He drove down from Wyoming oh. and we were just, we we're just reminiscing as we we're running down to this event tonight that he asked me back in the day when he first started to train me, he said, what are your goals? And I said, well, you know, there's this race. I want to do this race. He's like, everybody wants to do a race. What kind of a runner do you want to be? Which is a whole different question. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of people say, Oh, I'm going to do a half marathon. I'm training for the half marathon. Yeah. But what kind, what kind of runner do you want to be? And I said, I think I just want to be able to go out the door on any day and just do whatever I want. Go as far as I want, as fast as I want. And he goes, that's, that's a goal I can work with. And now, 10 years later, since he first worked with me, I feel like mission accomplished. I can arrive in Salt Lake, skin on a pair of shorts, and just go like charge on down the street and have a good time. That is um, no small accomplishment for someone who, you know, maybe isn't 22 years old. So yeah, I'm, I'm pushing I must be pushing 25 by now, somewhere in that zone, <laughs> 57, 57. Yeah. But you know, what's cool about that though, is that, um, I think that's the secret. I don't feel 57 in the sense that when you learn certain skills and you change your attitude toward running, the, I think the longevity is there. You can just keep going and going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is true. That is true. Hopefully if that's, if some, you know, major thing, if the a major wheel doesn't fall off the bus, that can happen hopefully. So, yeah. um, so I, so I promise I will let my co-host Molly get a word in edgewise. Um, I do also want to tell you, Chris, though, that she is a veterinarian. And so mm. she was a, sl- a slam dunk to do the co-host duties on this episode. So um, Molly, please join the conversation. Hey, Chris, I have to just fangirl for a minute. I just loved Born to Run. Thank you, Molly. And actually, it was one of my inspirations for getting running. I was already running a little bit, but um, I have some knee issues. And, you know, I read the whole thing about the barefoot and I've tried different shoes. But I just love your whole attitude of exploring running and there's no one particular right way. Um, anyway, I, I've, I've enjoyed your other book too. The one about, um, uh, I forget. Natural Born Heroes. The yeah. Champions. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed that too. And, um, uh, I haven't read the Sherman yet, but I'm, I'm going to get that too. I've, I've read your runner's world, um, story about it today. And that was really fascinating. So I am really yeah. actually mildly, mildly concerned for you about where this is going to lead you because <laughs> well, I already know. want to get a donkey. I, I know, <laughs> but we live in the yeah. city. I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> Chickens, donkey. I may have some zoning issues involved, but hey, uh, Molly. They're amazing running partners. They're, they're terrific to run with. They're so rhythmic and smooth. 
and um, they're so friendly. They're such, I keep telling people like what you think you're going to get from a dog, you really get from a donkey. But they're not supposed to be that way. They're supposed to be kind of stubborn and protective. But do you think Protect- they're all pretty nice? Protective for sure. Well, you know, I, I, I don't have the widest donkey experience, but it's, well, here's what we did <laughs> yesterday. It's actually kind of cool. Just outside of Denver in Berkeley Park, there's this great running store. If you ever get a chance to visit Berkeley Park Running Company, this is like a, a full-on throwback 70s era half-hippie running store. And um, the people who run it, they know somebody that brought in 15 donkeys yesterday. <laughs> this oh, is a yeah? suburban running store, 15 donkeys. And we all did a fun run with donkeys around a, a, a you know, city park <laughs> on the outskirts of Denver. And oh, my gosh. So people just got nuts. assigned a donkey? There's a, you check out on my Instagram, there's a little video, and you just watch people doing double takes. Like people in the park walk on dogs, like all of a sudden you hear hooves. Oh my God, there's a stampede. <laughs> but yeah, people had their donkeys and were running with them. But they were all super cool. Like every donkey was gentle and fun. But I think, I think they are. The reputation for stubbornness comes from the fact that you can't bully a donkey into doing something it doesn't think it's safe. But no, once you have smart. the donkey. Yeah, but once you have the donkey's confidence, then, you know, you're good to go. you got a, you got a teammate. Mm, good. So, uh, Chris, let me ask you about your ass. <laughs> I've, been, I've been saving that one up all day. <laughs> I'll ask you some questions. <laughs> Keep going. Come on. I'm How is your ass? Is it a big ass? <laughs> <laughs> is that nice and muscular? <laughs> okay, I'll stop. Uh, I don't want to brag, but I think I've got the cutest ass around. <laughs> That's what I heard. Yeah. All right. So, so tell us how you how you got your ass, Sherman, and you got started on this adventure. You want to know how I got my hands on my ass, huh? <laughs> yeah. Stop well, there, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, this is where this is where this is where it takes a, a left turn into the somber. Uh, Sherman, well, we, where we live is in a, uh, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, but on the extreme southern end of Lancaster, uh, it's an Amish community, and we just kind of, I'm going to talk about asses, half our way into a house there. Uh, <laughs> we came out of the city, found it by accident, tried it, and we found ourselves living. Uh, surrounded by, you know, Amish and Mennonite farmers, old school horse and buggy style. And uh, while we were living there, after a few years, we started taking a couple of animals like goats and sheep just to kind of experiment a little bit with a little kind of hobby farming. And then we got wind of the fact that there was a guy not too far away who was a hoarder and had a donkey locked up in a stall. And his Mennonite uh, friends were desperate to get that animal away from him. The animal was in really, really bad condition. And they wanted to get it out of this guy's hands. So they asked us if we were willing to take it because, you know, we had the space and we were on a really working farm so we could afford to take care of, a, of an indulgence animal. And when my daughters and I went over to take a look at it, our first thought was like, this is not like the cuddly, cute pet we were thinking about. And our second thought is, if this donkey is not out of here by tomorrow, I'm calling the cops. It's not staying here because it was, su- it was in such horrific condition uh hooves so overgrown it couldn't move its feet and it's it's fur matted and crusted and it looked dazed and catatonic just like in a, in a shell shocked so mm-hmm. we were able to negotiate his release from captivity and brought him home and that began the whole the whole weird adventure did you know you wanted to race before you got him or what did that come after it came after so 
you know, we have a, a friend. She actually really wasn't a friend at the time. We knew another woman who had donkeys. We'd seen her riding a donkey on a trail about a year earlier. We were out mm-hmm. hiking, and we heard this, like, kind of hooves on, on this really steep, rocky trail. And we turn around. This woman comes riding up on a donkey on a saddle. And we were just like, wow, it's so cool. I didn't know you could do that. And we chatted with her. She said her name was Tanya, and she was on her way. But when we got this rescue donkey, my thought was like, I, I don't know what to do. Like, what's the first step to keep this thing alive? Mm-hmm. And so I remember that woman and I asked around, someone said, oh yeah, it's Tanya McKean. She's over on Bald Eagle Road. So I brought Tanya over and she came in just like in a white hot rage of veterinarian vengeance. She was ready to, she was so pissed at that hoarder. And she mm-hmm. channeled all that into taking care of this donkey. She like sheared off the rotten fur and shampooed it and cleaned its ears and injected him with like banamine and antibiotics. And then she turns to me with the same clippers in her hand. She's like shaking it at me like, like she's ready to like, you know, cut someone's testicles off. She's like, she's steamed. <laughs> and Molly, oh, he still had his she, testicles, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, no, Sher- yeah. Sherman, Sherman had been neutered. But she turns oh, to me, okay. and you might, you might really appreciate this. She said, you know, everybody needs something to do. This animal has been mm-hmm. neglected. It's, it's been penned up. It needs a purpose. It needs an activity. You better mm-hmm. find him a job. And I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, job. Like, what, what job? Like, I'm not like a gold miner. What am I going to do? But I, I was... <laughs> I was aware of these races in Colorado. I was aware of the borough races where you know people run next to their donkeys for long distances. And I thought, okay, if I got to do something with this thing, maybe that could be the answer. Maybe we can run together. That's great. Yeah. So his feet were terrible. I read that in the article to begin with. Uh, so you got his feet cleaned up. And then how soon were you able to start running with him? Relatively quickly. It was surprising. So uh, uh, Tanya's husband, Scott, as a farrier, uh, he, he tra- uh, trims hooves. Mm-hmm. So he, he kind of went hardcore. He needed to actually use a hacksaw to cut mm-hmm. away enough oh of the hoof before he could actually trim it and, and file it down. Yeah. Um, and then we had a super stroke of luck. So we had this really annoying, mischievous goat named Lawrence. And mm. Lawrence, in that moment, redeemed himself for all past and future sins. He comes over next to this invalid donkey and just lies down next to him. He just kept Aww. him company. Yeah, well, they, they do need the company. Lion will yeah. lay down with the lamb or whatever. Yeah, they're supposed <laughs> to be particularly good with goats and sheep, right? Doggies, they are. They, they really are, pro- and they are often herd protectors. But I love the fact that they, the goat became the Sherman protector. And just, you know, I, I, I got tears in my eyes. And it just makes me well up to think of that, that impulse, that impulse to just comfort. So mm-hmm. what we learned we could do is if we led Lawrence out a little bit, then Sherman would follow him. And that began the journey of getting him to accept this idea that his job is to be a, be a running donkey. Uh-huh. And so donkeys don't usually run, do they? I mean, they kind of walk around the desert. And was it hard to get them to trot along at a steady pace? No, they're all really good at it. And I learned this really late in the game they're actually they have like a, a 60 mile odometer they can actually cruise at a trotting speed for 60 miles non-stop so really? I mean, donkey, yeah donkeys are among the the ultimate endurance creatures you know they are, you're, you're right that they are desert animals but they're just super suitable for extreme conditions that's why they're great in the mountains in the desert down in canyons because they can just go and go and go and on decent terrain they can do a solid um you know a solid eight nine minute mile without breaking a sweat oh, that's not bad 
Well, that's not bad. Yeah, we'd be happy to be able to do that. <laughs> well, I was actually thinking if they're too fast, then it would be hard oh. to keep up with them. I mean, I imagine eight, nine minute miles. You can probably that's probably your pace. No, well, yeah. I mean, I'm very happy. I'm very happy. You know, cranking back to comfy, comfy tens for sure. <laughs> you can <laughs> run with because, us. <laughs> uh, is that you know something? That, are you in the dilemma I'm in, where everyone thinks because you know about running, you're actually good at it? Yeah, uh, you don't. If you could see me, Chris, I do not. I don't look quote unquote like a runner. Nobody asks me about running, and when I do say I run, they all assume that I run around the block. And then when I when <laughs> yeah. I actually show up to a marathon or something, there I get kapod. And then when I actually pass them, I feel apologetic. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I know this is so hard for you. <laughs> I can't explain it. <laughs> I love it. I love the humanity of it all. Like you know, you're you're apologizing to them for their prejudice. Right. Yes. I said, I know this is embarrassing. Just just bear with it. It'll be okay. I'll be gone soon. <laughs> hey, hey, guys, I got to take an abrupt left turn because there's one fact burning in my mind that you of all people are going to appreciate. And I've, I'm living in dread that I'll forget to say it before we finish. So can okay, I, can I just completely 180 the conversation for one nanosecond? Yes. Yes. Okay. So here's a trivia question. What is the oldest marathon in America? The marathon, Boston. Well, that would be the Greek one, right? No, no, the, in no, America. It, oh, well, in America, yeah. <laughs> Athens, yeah. Greece, oh. not in America. Um, no, there's. You said, you I'm said it. You said it. You were right. Oh, Boston. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that was the Boston Marathon. You know, 1901. Every. However, that's only the oldest marathon for half of Americans because women weren't allowed to run right till 1970s. Yes. Mm-hmm. However, the Leadville. Packborough race begun in 1951, which was 26 miles across Mosquito Pass, allowed women in the first time. So women have been running 26 miles in Colorado since the 1950s. So I would say, I would submit to you that the oldest marathon for all Americans is actually the Leadville Packborough race, not the Boston Marathon. There, there you go. There you go. We're yeah. going to rewrite history, Chris. Yep. <laughs> We're going to do well, that right to, now. I, I, I love the fact that, you know, you got Jock Semple, you know, running after women and like grabbing Catherine Switzer. And meanwhile, out in Colorado, you got a woman at 12,000 feet with a donkey going over a mountain. You know, she apparently <laughs> could handle it. Right, <laughs> right. The pioneer spirit showed them what yeah. can be done. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right on, right on. All right. So, well, so share with us a few things that running with Sherman and doing borough races taught you about yourself, Chris, like as a person, as a runner. You know, it's a really um, interesting thing because there are things you learn in, the, in your head and you don't necessarily adopt them in your body. So I, mean, the, I guess what I'm trying to say is that the crucial breakthrough, the only thing that made this possible was that when we realized that Sherman would cooperate if there are other animals around, but you can't really run with a, with a goat because, you know, goats are all over the place. They're worse than dogs. <laughs> so we needed, we needed another donkey. And so Tanya brought down her riding donkey and for a while – she would ride and I would run. I said her riding donkey is kind of skittish. And, and, and so Flower, the riding donkey kept trying to go behind Sherman and Sherman's trying to go behind Flower. And they're, they're swirling around like a toilet bowl. So <laughs> she, brought, she brought a third donkey out named Matilda. And Matilda is a, is a mini, but she's like a super boss lady. Like she's fearless. She goes. But we didn't have a third runner. So my wife, who's not a runner, she's like a dancer. Like her thing's African dance and hula. She literally is actually a Hawaiian hula dancer. Uh-huh. She just saw, okay, you guys need a runner. I'm in. And she started to run with Matilda. And when we started to do these runs where it was three donkeys and three people, it 
transformed everything. The runs were just joyful and fun and awesome. And the donkeys liked it and we liked it. It, it, it drilled through my head. I really believe running is a communal activity. It's, it's a team sport. Mm-hmm. And yet, so rarely do we do it because, you know, in my day, I'm like, oh, I only got 45 minutes. I better go now. I go by myself. So I think the major thing I learned is that if you can transform it into an activity of sharing rather than mm-hmm. it's kind of self-directed, it's so much better. But I, I got to be honest, I don't necessarily do it as much in my life as, as I really should. Mm-hmm. Well, our whole culture is set up to be solo these days, isn't it? It's harder and harder to find community. Running is one of those places where it's nice when it happens. I wonder about that, though, if it's harder or if we just don't make the efforts. You know, I wonder. Um, I, I was, who was I talking to today? Oh, yeah, there's, there's a, there's a uh, radio broadcaster in St. Louis. She has a thing they call the 532 Club. And the 532 Club is three days a week, 532 in the morning. You know, they go out and run. So that, that can't be easy, but, but they make it work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we don't live in, you know, packs and small farms anymore where we're all getting together and doing those things, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. And that way life life has changed. Well, when you run with the donkeys, do they, um, like I run with my dog sometimes, rarely, because he actually, even though he's not a donkey, he is an ass. <laughs> <laughs> and when I run with my dog, he wants, to, he wants to stop, he wants to smell, he gets tired, he wants to slow down, you know, he wants, to, uh, he, he can be a real pain in the ass to run with. <laughs> um, do, do you have any of that with the, with the donkeys? Do they just keep going or do they want to stop and eat something or how? How's it go? Sarah, I think we need to have a little bell every time Molly says ask. Ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also thinking because I just was reading closely the, um, like what we sign when we agree to these native ads and they're all like, you can't have swear words within 20 minutes of the ads. I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> right. You're blocked out for the next two and a half hours. That's um, right. their technical well, yeah. name. They, that's what they really are. Donkey's the nickname, actually. That, right? that is true. They, they yeah. are wild African ass. As, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and there goes another. There goes another twenty minutes. <laughs> so um, you, know, you, you actually raised a really great question because you know one thing I was intrigued by is as I was learning to run with the donkeys, I, I had an eye toward how is this transferable? You know, for people mm-hmm. who can't have a donkey, like what, what mm-hmm. can they learn from this? And I became really intrigued by there's a group in Philly, and oh, you know, if you guys have not interviewed her, I would do everything possible to connect you. Uh, her name is slipping my mind, but she created a, a, a group called the Monster Milers. Do you know about mm. these guys? No. She, oh, oh, guys, she did a YouTube video that will just blow your brains out. She's so good. Uh, look up Monster Milers, Rescue Dogs. Uh, it's not YouTube. It's, um, it's a TED Talk. TED Talk. Okay. And uh, I'll email you the, the info uh, if you can't find it. So what she did was um, she had a, a dog grooming service, and then she started – she liked to run, so she would go to rescue shelters and run with the shelter dogs. And mm-hmm. um, she started to expand it. She's like, you know what? I got people in my running club who run all the time. You got these dogs are in cages. Let's put them together and make some magic. But mm-hmm. people had to be trained to how to make this happen. And so um, I met another guy named Guillermo Torres who was new to Philadelphia, didn't know anybody. He joined the Monster Milers. He began running with the shelter dogs. And then he became like a known figure around Philly. Everybody was always seeing Guillermo with some kind of, you know, one pit bull after the other. So he got a social life. The dogs got adopted. But essentially what it comes down to, he, Guillermo told me, surprisingly, the dogs run way better the more people there are. Because initially he would take out a, a shelter dog and go by himself because he was afraid of, you know, it was a pit bull and might hurt somebody. Mm-hmm. But he found if he took that pit bull out in a group of like 10 runners, 
the dog was like spot on, super focused and going with the flow. So maybe hmm. getting back to that point, maybe it'd be interesting to see if you took your dog out with three or four runners to see if um, the dog would get more, a little more locked in on, on the game. Oh yeah, that's a good hmm. point. Hmm. Hmm. It's like that. it's like those stories you see, you know, like oh, dog, this German Shepherd ran a half marathon. Like it just jumps onto the course and then <laughs> yeah, keeps going. Right, right. right. <laughs> Everyone's always so delighted when that happens, too, right? Oh, oh gosh, oh, it's the feel good story of the week. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um, so, do you do any off leash running with the donkeys, like through the pasture? Yeah, you know, we do. Like, we do it with uh, Matilda. So, what's it, Kind of cool is all the, all the donkeys have their own really distinctive like quirks and personalities and traits. And Matilda is just so cool and smart of the three of them. Uh, you couldn't do it with flower. flower. I don't know, you turn around, she's afraid of the color yellow. She's afraid of cows. She's afraid of water. <laughs> There's a lot oh, of phobias in, in flower. Um, so flower needs handling and reassurance. Sherman is kind of mischievous. So he'll go mess around. So we, we keep them on the ropes with us. But Matilda, Sometimes we'll go on a long run on a farm lane and we'll have Matilda off leash for like five miles and she'll just stick right with us. Wow. wow. Yeah. Huh. Oh, and she must be adorable because since she's a mini. Yeah, she's pretty cool. She's cute. She's got personality. There's a lot going on. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Okay, trendsetter. Um, is burrow racing going to now become the next big running craze like barefoot running after Born to Run? Yes, and we're getting burrows. By well time. Well, here's what's, kind of what's going on. Is actually, it, it already is taken off in, in Colorado. So there are about 10 different uh, burrow races through the summer in Colorado, different towns. And uh-huh. it used to be, as recently as like seven or eight years ago, there'd be like maybe 10, 12 people that would do it. Some of the big races now, they have 80 and 90 people showing up with donkeys. So it's spreading wildly throughout Colorado. I don't know, you know, I'm not sure if it's actually going to be sort of conduct, you know, conducive to like New Orleans or, you know, Brooklyn. But, Central um, Park, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I can see people really getting much more involved with running with their dogs and sort of adapting those skills, which are easy to learn, and then just using the same donkey skills uh, on dogs. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. All right. So as long as we're talking about Born to Run, we got to ask about the movie adaptation. So yeah. we know there was the, we know there's talk of Matthew McConaughey and Jake Gyllenhaal set to star in it. Um, I think we talked last time that Dim had seen Jake Gyllenhaal at the when she was pacing somebody at Leadville. And so we kind of thought he was there scouting it out. But that was like eons ago. So where where does the movie version of your wildly successful book stand? I don't know. I literally oh. don't know. I, uh, yeah, they, they told me last summer, they're back in Leadville. They're shooting B-roll footage. Uh, McConaughey was out. Woody Harrelson was, was stepping in to play uh, Caballo Blanco. And mm-hmm. that's what they all told me last summer. And they planned to roll cameras this past May. And it's not May anymore. And they you know, <laughs> haven't heard anything. So I don't know. My, my kind of hunch is, I don't know. Uh, I'm not 100% super confident that – it's going to happen anytime soon, but I really don't know why. And I'm of a mindset of like, I try to avoid exasperation in my life. And that is a recipe for exasperation. So I was like, let it go. You know, whatever happens, happens. Mm-hmm. Getting worried about it ain't going to help. Mm-hmm. Are they going to give you a cameo in it? I wouldn't. I'd get someone better looking. That's what I'd do. Oh, <laughs> yeah. you and your ass can be in there. The Leadville scene or something. Be my cute yeah. ass. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
<laughs> I will tell you this on a happier, on a happier, maybe more positive note, is that things seem to be actually moving fast with uh, running with Sherman. Uh, Netflix optioned it, and a meeting. Oh my with gosh! A, yeah, I'm meeting with a screenwriter this coming Friday uh, in California. Oh my gosh! Well, and there you go. Yeah. Will Sherman? Will Sherman get to play? himself or now uh, that is a that is a really legitimate question because i don't know where else do you find a sherman stand in you know like why not you sherman so <laughs> yeah, right, that, right, right, right i mean he's as good an actor as any other donkey so. exactly unless there's some trick donkey out there but why not uh-huh, uh-huh. oh my goodness and are they talking movie they talking series uh movie yeah feature film oh my gosh that'll be fun yeah so yeah, did but, you yeah, ever you know, match- so I, i've I have a feeling that six years from now we'll be having the same conversation. Like, you'd be like, what right. happened with that, you know, that German movie? <laughs> I don't know. McConaughey, I don't know. Right, right, right. So did you ever imagine that Born to Run would spur this whole barefoot running craze that we're in and footwear being changed and all that? No, I did not see that coming around the bend. Um, yeah. I expected, I, I was within a whisker of cutting that chapter out of the book. Uh, I, I wasn't happy really? with it because it's the only chapter that isn't part of the story. There's no narrative there. It just mm-hmm. stops the story in its tracks. Say, by the way, let's let's do some whiteboarding up here and discuss foot biomechanics. <laughs> it's like a little mini lecture in the middle of the book. And like, eh, I don't know. But then I thought, you know, it's kind of important. I think probably people may or may not know this. The other thing was I wasn't sure. Because once you start getting into that world of the barefoot runners, it, it, you lose focus. You don't know whether everyone knows this or not. So I wasn't sure if this is old news or new news. So I decided, ah, let's just leave it in and be safe. So, yeah, I did not expect it to really catch on like that. Um, I thought people would be excited by an adventure story about running. I, I didn't realize that this, there was that need to reexamine footwear. Yeah, well, that was good. And then also with your uh... – the heroes book you talked about parkour i thought that was cool and just the being free with your biomechanics and kind of again less goal-oriented you know just think about moving and how you want to move well, it's, a, it's an interesting, interesting thing because with parkour i was hanging out with this woman shirley darlington who's this great oh if you guys ever see that video movement of three if hmm. you can pull that up on youtube oh it's so cool it's these three women doing parkour just messing around but it's so cool uh movement hmm. of three uh, you'll mm-hmm. love it. And there's another one called Movement of Tree, where they do mm-hmm. the parkour, but they're doing it in this tree. So it's really cool. But um, oh my gosh, what I like about it, I was talking to Shirley about this, and we were watching some some women train. And I said, uh, so what do you think? Is there ever going to be like a parkour games? Like you know, what's your feeling about this whole debate about competition? And she's like, there's no debate. There is no competition. That's not parkour. We will never have a parkour mm-hmm. games. And her mm-hmm. thought is that. The beauty is in the craftsmanship, the skill. Once you put a price tag on it, it's, it eventually is ruined. So mm-hmm. don't put – introduce money and prizes. You're pitting one athlete against the other instead of a team, and that's the end of it. So they won't do it. Yeah, it kind of goes, goes the way of skateboarding. So are you still barefoot running, Chris, or do you put shoes on now that you're old? Uh, well, so yeah. So right, <laughs> like us. Well, what, what I do is um, I kind of go with whatever I need underfoot. Um, so – you know, the thing about shoes is not about the protection. Protection is fine. It's that when they start adding all that correction, you know, uh-huh. the formation control, the cushioning, that's the problem. So I'm barefoot. If I'm on asphalt, at this very moment, I am wearing my, my friend Barefoot Ted's Luna sandals. He gave me a pair of uh, sandals that he made, and uh, I wear those, I would say, nine out of ten runs. 
Oh, okay. Nice, nice. All right, so we know you got to go. So last question. Are you taking Sherman with you in your minivan to any promotional book events? I'm so tempted, but I've not. (laughs) I've not. But you know, it's such a cute photo. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He just... He loves to like cuddle and stuff. But um, what's been cool is that I haven't had to because a lot of these events, people show up with donkeys. So tonight I'm in Salt Lake City, and there's supposed to be a donkey tonight. I was in Washington, Missouri. There was Ace the donkey. There was 15 yesterday in Berkeley Park. So uh-huh. I, it's kind of funny. I've become this like mag- magnet for, for random urban donkeys. That Chrissy's such an ass magnet. <laughs> there you go. I, I had to get in one joke. You know, right Sarah, you, you waited your time and bam, you landed the killer. She did. Well, Chris, it's so great talking with you again. Yeah, it's and, so great. Um, uh, is your book tour coming to Portland? Or have, it is. Yeah, I'll be in Portland. I'll be in Portland um, quite soon. Uh, I believe it's next uh, Thursday. Um, hang on a second. Yeah, or a couple of days where today's yes, I'm coming there soon. I, I've lost track of where. Oh yeah, yeah, next next Thursday, next Thursday, the twenty fourth. Oh okay, well I'm gonna yeah. be uh, Molly can go. Cause I'm gonna be yeah. in Cape Cod at our retreat, but I I say Molly will go and represent. Well yeah, and hey, if you want to go for a run, uh, just contact me through Sarah. You and my a hole dog and I can all go out and take a run. <laughs> That'd be fun. I'm, actually, the event is in Beaverton. Are you that far from Beaverton? Um, yeah, we're kind of a ways from Beaverton. Um, yeah, I mean, it's... It's um, a suburb, so... Okay. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll check in and let's see what we can do. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'd, I'd drive out there and meet you. That'd be fun. <laughs> Great. Right. Excellent. Guys, okay. thank you so much. Oh, thank you. See you. All All right. Right. Take care. Bye. So do you love Chris as much as I do? I love Chris. I, I had more questions. <laughs> I know. I know. I was like, okay, she's going... Do you think Chris is going to listen to this? <laughs> I don't know. He, he probably won't. But I think he should do a book on swimming. I was that's sort of the last question I wanted to get in. Oh. I said because you know like what what is he going to do next? I'm like I, like adventure swimming. I think would be a good book. Oh, all and, right. You know like kind of the history of swimming, and I bet there's all sorts of swimming stories out there that we don't know about. Maybe you and I can write it, Molly. I'll spell check. <laughs> you can write it. Yeah. <laughs> um. I'm still like two M's, one M. No. <laughs> All right. Well, here is a quick Q&A by Dimity of our Mother Runner of the Month. Hey, everybody. Dimity here. And I am so excited to talk to Allie Leatherman, who is our Mother Runner of the Month this month. This uh, Mother Runner lives in Jackson, Mississippi. She is the mother to one daughter, an eight-year-old. She is a middle, middle and high school science teacher, in addition to being owning a dance company and being a dancer. Is that right, Allie? That's correct. That is correct. And I love the dancing slash running intersection. And we're going to get into that in a second. Um, But first, tell me about how you started running. I started running um, because of having my daughter. So my um, dad actually was doing a 5K on Thanksgiving the year that I was pregnant with my daughter. And he convinced my husband to do it with him. And I said, oh, that looks good. You know, next year I'm going to come back for Thanksgiving and, and I'll do it after I have the baby. That'll be my reason to get back into shape. Um, and I did, and it became a, a family tradition of sorts after that. Um, at the time, I thought 3.1 miles was forever. And if you could run that, you could do anything. Um, I agree. Little did That's I know awesome. there's more to go. I know eight years later, did you run your first marathon? Um, like, was it, when was your first marathon? My first marathon was in February of 2017. 
Okay. So kind of like seven years after you started running ish, would you say? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. That was nice. six ish. Yeah. Six. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, and so you've been a runner for about eight years and um, you've been a dancer forever. So tell us about that. Yes. Um, I started dancing officially when I was in first grade. My Girl Scout troop had visited a local dance studio um, to get one of our badges. And I came home after the trip and told my mom I really wanted to take dance classes. So that's when I officially started. Um, but to hear my family talk about it, when I was three, we went to um, Holland, Michigan for a vacation. And I came home and was dancing all around the house like the girls with the wooden shoes that we saw in Holland. Um, so it's go. just kind of always been part of me. That's great. Well, you were a dance minor in college and then is it, is it modern dance that you do mostly or have you done all the yes. forms? Um, I was mostly a classically trained dancer growing up. So ballet primarily, and then in college got into modern slash contemporary. Okay, nice. And so talk about a little bit about the intersection of dance and running you, you put in your um, profile that like dancers are not encouraged to run because it bulks them up. Is that correct? Yes, that's one thing that is um, oftentimes told. So as dancers, very concerned about the line that your leg would make um, and how things would look. And so we were always told, oh, don't dance, you're going to get, uh, or don't run, you're going to get bulky quads, or you're going to ruin your knees, or um, a lot of misinformation um, is out there. And there's definitely both dance and running are very demanding on your body. So you definitely have to keep them in balance. Um, but there's, yeah, there's a lot of just passed down wisdom in the dance world that maybe isn't wisdom. Sure. sure. As, as most worlds have those, those uh, mm -hmm. like kind of, mm -hmm. you know, tales, I guess, tall tales. Um, well, and so has, how has running complemented your dancing? Um, it has made me a much stronger dancer for sure. Cause once I started dancing, there would be things that I would do and I was like, Oh, Hey, that's so much easier now that that muscle is stronger. That wasn't before. Um, and even though in dance, when you lift your leg, you're always encouraged to not rely on your quads, but to try to lift from underneath your leg, uh, your quads are still involved. And so when they get stronger, it helps. Um, <laughs> so that was a big help. Um, and with aerobic fitness, it's a big help as well, because dance actually tends to be very anaerobic when you're in a class sitting, um, because you you dance, you do an exercise for a minute or two at a time, and then you stand and you listen to the teacher give corrections, or you watch another group of dancers have their turn. Um, so you don't really build that aerobic fitness that you need, and then all of a sudden you're thrown in on the stage where you are dancing longer, um, and it's a weakness for a lot of dancers. So that was something that I noticed a big improvement in when I started running. Um, my dance company in particular, we perform in a lot of educational settings or for audiences that aren't necessarily used to dance. So we talk in between the dances and we introduce what's coming next. And I get a lot of comments on, how, how can you have breath to talk? You just finished that dance and now you're talking to us. And I always tell them, well, it's because I run. That's what does it. I'm a marathoner. That's how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious, do you see any, um, a dance related movement in running or like, do you ever think of running like a dance? Uh, definitely. Um, at times there's a, there's a lot when it comes to like, I mean, there's a technique involved with both and your posture and your form is, is a big part of it. Um, there's, 
some of the drills that we do in running um, or even like warm up things, I look at it and I, I remember it by the dance name. Um, so some of the different kinds of power skips and things, I'm like, oh, it's, it's like a stag leap or, you know, sure. something else. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then, I mean, the other thing that you really, that kind of got me going, I was like, yeah, yeah, it was just the joy of movement. You talk about a dance that you do with your husband where you are blindfolded. Um, And you really have to be in the moment, which is something that I think we all strive, whether we are dancing blindfolded, never going to happen in my world, but, um, or (laughs) running. I mean, just, you know, just appreciating the fact that you're there now and talk, how does, I mean, tell us how that blindfold helps and the evolution of it. Yes, um, it's it's really it's become one of my favorite pieces to perform. Um, but the the piece is exploring the idea of how the unseen things in the world can still affect us, um, even when we cannot see them. So in order to show that in the dance, I am blindfolded. So I am um, representing us in our normal state and then my husband is there he is the unseen and we're letting the audience see the unseen for a time um but performing it has been really fun because it really blocks out the audience and anytime that there's a performance aspect you know you're constantly thinking in the back of your head what is the audience gonna think of this what are they seeing and um, when they're not there it really helps to just remove that and then in order to actually do the dance, um, you really start to tune into listening for hearing the sound of him breathing or feeling the floor or just sensing other things to give me a, an anchor as I'm dancing. And so it, it, it's, it's really peaceful. And when we've performed it and then I, I finish and I take the blindfold off, it's almost like jarring, like, oh, there's an audience there. Um, but it's it's really fun and it's been a really cool experience for me to be reminded um, to, to just focus and center in and focus on what I need to do and not worry so much about the performance side of things. Cool. Um, and what would you say? I know like uh, uh, Melissa, who is uh, uh, the manager of the Train Like a Mother Club or a helps the train like a mother club. Um, she's taking tap dance, right? And she's coming into like her late forties. And I think she's a beginner. Like talk about, is it like, would you encourage anybody to try dancing? Uh, oh, no matter sure. what age? Yes. No matter what age. Um, there's actually a dance company, not the one that I own, but um, one that uh, I've had the privilege to go and work with, teach some workshops for and set choreography. Um, Circle Modern Dance in Knoxville, Tennessee. If you're in the Knoxville area, check them out. Um, But they have a really cool catchphrase that is, you breathe, you dance. So when it comes right down to it, dance is just movement and we all move. Um, And one of the really cool things is that when you move in a different way, it makes a new pathway in your brain. And that... um, changes your whole life so it's it's for sure don't be intimidated there's there's stuff out there it's super fun you don't have to um be a ballerina up on your toes to enjoy moving yeah awesome awesome well so what are you up to next Allie um running wise uh running wise there's a 5k this weekend that I'm planning to do that's uh one of my favorite local causes it's the little lighthouse it is a preschool that provides tuition-free school and therapy for um, kids with special needs in the area. So they have a 5k that's one of their big fundraisers for the year and it also lets the kids, um, they get to take a victory lap on the track at, at the oh, end of fun. it to the kids. So. 
Sweet, sweet. Well, thank you very much. Congratulations on your um, very esteemed honor of Mother Runner of the Month. <laughs> um, but seriously, it's fun to hear us. I love the intersection. I love that you stay active in so many different ways. So, um, so many happy miles to you, Allie, and we will see you out there on the roads. Thank you. All right. Well, Molly, next year, about this time, what is it we're going to be doing? We're going to be retreating here in Portland. Um, So, yes. P-Town, Stumptown. (laughs) Right. Stumptown. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. I finally watched that show. Yep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, PDX. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yes, we announced uh, a couple weeks ago that we are bringing the Mother Runner retreat train to Portland for perhaps our biggest, best stop ever, I just have to say. Um, Alex, you'll be there. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Nodding, nodding, nodding. Yes. All right. So it is October 22nd, 25th of 2020. And Molly will be there the whole time. She's thinking she might sleep at home rather than being my roommate, even though every room at the hotel is a suite, Molly. So you oh, have, well, so you, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I don't snore. So unlike some people yeah. I sleep with, yes. <laughs> right. um, so and then uh, Augie and I get a sweet. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But Augie is going to make an appearance. Augie, my French bulldog, he's going to show up, and Jack's my husband is going to bring him down on the at the welcome reception the first evening when we do a podcast recording party. That's where you'll enter the picture, Alex and Ellison, another occasional co-host. Um, since she is the book bully, she's going to lead people on a little field trip over to Powell's City of Books. Or do a book bully podcast yeah i just try to talk we have a year to talk her into it um and um we're, we'll go running have great meals we um you know you can run with me and molly and you know we'll we'll elbow you if you claim to find change before we do um <laughs> we're gonna sing karaoke um we are definitely looking into a race our fingers are crossed it's gonna be on the saturday of the retreat so it's gonna be just really really fantastically awesome so um for more details, go to anothermotherrunner.com, click on the events tab in the top navigation, and there's a drop-down menu, and there you'll see Portland Running Retreat. Again, anothermotherrunner.com, go to the events tab at the top, and you'll find all the details there. So hope to see you here in Portland. And our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon, by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. And whether you're with a donkey, I'm going to say donkey, whether you're with a donkey or not, many happy miles. Happy miles.